0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 146 of the podcast for May 2nd, 2012. Joining me today is Dr. John Toussaint. This is his fourth appearance on the podcast. He is the CEO of the Fated Care Center for Healthcare Value. And today we're talking about his latest book called Potent Medicine, the Collaborative Cure for Healthcare. In the book and in the podcast, John talks about the three aspects of this collaborative cure, first being patient-centered care redesign, second being transparency, and third being payment for outcomes. So a lot of the discussion follows up on my conversation with Dr. Dean Bruner, the current CEO of ThetaCare of the Health System, back in podcast 144, where Dean was talking about their experiments with accountable care organizations there at ThetaCare. For past episodes, you can go to leanpodcast.org. And as always, thanks for taking time out to listen. Well, John, it's great to have you back on the podcast uh, talking about your new book, Potent Medicine. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Mark. Uh, we're excited about this new book and be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, so you know, I have... Um, the advantage of of uh, the book in front of me. A lot of the listeners might not have the book because it's been just very recently released. Um, Potent Medicine: The Collaborative Care for Healthcare. Um, so, John, can you kind of introduce the book um, for the listeners? Kind of give us a, you know the high level summary of how the book came to be, and and we'll dive into some of the main points.
1: Well, we've been on the lean journey at Theta Care for almost a decade now, and. Uh, We've learned that there are several other things that are pretty important to true health reform Uh, in addition to redesigning care using the lean methodology. We also need to have a payment system that actually rewards organizations that are delivering better care. Uh, In other words, pay for value rather than pay for volume. Uh, The other thing that we've learned is that if the customer, the patient, doesn't actually know who's delivering better value, so it doesn't have the information and the data, then the whole system doesn't work. So what we've uh, really designed with Potent Medicine is one-piece flow for healthcare care reform, which includes payment uh, redesign that rewards value, transparency of healthcare care performance so patients know who's delivering the best value, and care redesign using lean.
0: And, and a lot of what you're writing about, is born from your experience when, when you were still CEO of ThetaCare and, and for what's been happening, um, since when, uh, another recent guest of mine, um, Dr. Dean Gruner, the current CEO, um, um, has, has been, uh, in charge of Theta, uh, the leading ThetaCare. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of those experiences that, that led you to realize that, uh, there, these other pieces beyond just that great lean improvement work were necessary?
1: Well, first of all, this book is not a book of theory. It's actually a book of experience, and it's the experience that we've had No, not only in in using lean to redesign care processes at DataCare, but also all of the work that we've done throughout the state of Wisconsin and bringing organizations together, um, insurance companies and state government officials and employer groups and provider organizations to talk about what the real issues are in, in health reform and so this is actually work that we've we've done over the last few years where we actually created the Wisconsin collaborative for health quality and publicly reported physician performance measures and we created the Wisconsin Health Information Organization and are about to publicly report cost information on on physicians um, uh, as they uh, through episodes of care uh, of their patients so so what we've done is we've taken that experience and, and we've written this book about the how powerful these types of activities are and actually changing behavior not only of physicians but also of people who pay the bill and even patients.
0: Right, and you know, these Wisconsin collaboratives and, and organizations that you mentioned for the listeners I'll have links um, to these organizations if you go to leanpodcast.org and uh, find the this specific page um, for this episode of the podcast. Um, Because there there is, 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 as you mentioned, John, a lot of data that's available, uh, far more data than here in in my home state of Texas. I was wondering if you could share this transition to talking about some of the connections between patient-focused redesign of care and, let's say, um, transparency. Um, are, are Are there... specific instances um, from your experience where an organization like ThetaCare or others that you're familiar with have, have made in, uh, improvements to that value equation of quality and cost? I mean, if, if they're making that improvement and, and patients can't find them, um, what, what are some of the things that you've seen either kind of, you know, trip up organizations or, or some of the successes that you've seen from making that data available in Wisconsin?
1: Well, what was interesting is that in Wisconsin, you can compare the Marshfield Clinic to ThetaCare to the Mayo Clinic to Gunderson Lutheran. These are all great organizations. But the reality is that we can all be better. We can all improve. And so at ThetaCare, for example, using the lean process to redesign the outpatient uh, patient experience has led to dramatically improved uh, quality of care in diabetes and heart disease. And you can actually go on the website, the Wisconsin Collaborative website, and see uh, how ThetaCare performs on, you know, how, how many of their heart disease patients, for example, have their bad cholesterol under 100, which is where it should be. How many of their diabetes patients have their blood sugar controlled with a, uh, an, an overall blood sugar test called an A1C under 7? And what ThetaCare has done is using the lean principles, uh, collapsed the time uh, required for patients to get uh, care, and then done more of the care in the single visit. So, for example, a patient comes in, uh, has their blood test uh, drawn uh, the the minute they show up to the to the clinic. Uh, the blood test is actually run while the patient is in uh, the room with the doctor, and the doctor gets the results within fifteen minutes. Uh, and can actually then have a conversation with the patient about, uh, you know, uh, changing the medications for the diabetes control or the high blood pressure control. So it avoids all the callbacks and all these things where we, we sort of drop the ball. And what that's led to is dramatically better quality. And now, the, uh, the the patients can actually go on the website and, and find that, find find who's actually delivering the best quality in diabetes care, the best quality in heart disease care in the whole state.
0: And so some of that's available, the, the quality data is available. Some of the other factors, you know, patients might look for in terms of um, where can they get in for an appointment most quickly, I mean, some of that fall, uh, you know, some of the output of that, uh, lean redesign, does that fall on the hospitals and health systems to sort of try to communicate and, and use that in their marketing, or is it just something that becomes known within communities that you can get in here more quickly and get that high-quality, great-value care?
1: Well, what you can do on these on the website, the Wisconsin Collaborative website, is actually go uh, is you can actually find out how long does it take for you to get an appointment with a, a doctor in any clinic in the in the state. So, uh, well, you you can determine whether you can be seen today or not, for example, in in the in the all the clinics in the state. So, it's a you know we have measures of access, we have measures of quality, we have measures of quality and cost. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can actually get a pretty good picture of where you probably ought to be going in the state of Wisconsin, uh, depending on what uh, condition you have.
0: Okay, great. So that, that access piece, I guess in a way that's a, a different aspect of healthcare quality, being able to be seen and get diagnosed or treated more promptly is going to lead to better outcomes, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you wrote about in the book about transparency, um, that I thought was interesting, it was talking about the difference between Um, outcomes measures and process measures. I was wondering if you'd share some of your experiences and what you see being measured today versus what your recommendations are in the book, Potent Medicine.
1: Well, you know, there was an interesting article uh, uh, recently that showed that the process measures that the premier uh, demonstration project with CMS uh that those process measures did not lead to any change in mortality rates in hospitals and um so what we're what we're finding and what we've known is that if you use process measures so this would be like for example you come to the emergency room you're having a heart attack did you get an aspirin that's a that's a process measure that you know did we actually do something uh but we don't talk about um did you uh lose half of your heart muscle that's an outcome or did you die or did you you know so these are out those are outcomes measures and so what we really are interested in is what are the outcomes of care not necessarily what the process measures of care are what are the outcomes measures of care and and when you report outcomes measures um, then then what happens is 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 organizations uh we go back and really look at the root causes um, and and you know process care processes are so much more complicated than just you know a series of process measures, and so what you really need are the outcomes measures, so that that can then help guide you back to what the root causes of the uh, uh, of the poor outcomes are, which then you can redesign the process using the lean principles to actually improve the outcomes. So so we're a big believer in 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 reporting outcomes measures, and and we're not too high on on you know uh, whether you actually gave the person the test or whatever because uh, you you could have given the person the test the right test 100% of the time and still had a poor outcome right
0: is is some of this um, maybe a matter where those process measures are no, are not really good predictors of the outcome is is that where some of that disconnect maybe comes from
1: yeah i think the issue is that there are too many process measures that are required to actually predict the outcome in fact, um, m- most of the time we don 't have all of the all of the process we, we, we actually can 't have all of the process measures because there are hundreds of them and and so what we really need is what is what actually happens so what 's the outcome? and then what has to happen is the organization has to go back and and redesign the care process after they do the root cause analysis so we're, we're we're you know from a transparency world perspective we're suggesting that these process measures are 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 important and the reality is what we're finding is they really aren't very important and it's more important for the organization to deeply understand you know what it is that they're doing so they can understand how to redesign uh, you know their care.
0: Okay, thanks. And the other interconnection you know, thing would be good to delve into is looking at uh, you know patient-focused lean care improvements with um, the issue of comprehensive payments. When um, we talk about um, the problems, uh, like you would elaborated on this too, the problems that come from you know the fee-for-service payment model. Um, you know, back in the manufacturing world, we would call this a piecework model, where people are being paid for activity. Um, something that I think a lot of manufacturing moved away from. Um, what are some of the things that either, you know, let's say, tripped up organizations like ThetaCare, where they made improvements and that fee-for-service model um, didn't really reward them for that improvement, or um, you know, some examples of um, cases where um, alternative payment methods have helped? Can you explain some of that for us?
1: Yeah. So, so one of the problems in a fee-for-service World because it absolutely we are exactly in a piecework world. So, part of that problem is you know, uh, I wrote in, in my first book on the men about how we actually uh, delivered babies uh, at a later time in gestation. If you deliver a baby before 39 weeks, those babies end up in the intensive care unit. Well, we now know that uh, based on evidence-based medicine that you should never deliver a baby before 39 weeks. So we moved to delivering 100% of our babies uh, after 39 weeks, and that reduced the number of babies that were going into our ICU and in the fee-for-service world, we actually got paid for babies going into the ICU. So we reduced the number of babies in the ICU by 50%, and we therefore reduced our revenue by 50%. So that's one of the core, um, you know, uh, elements of dysfunction in the, in the in this in this payment system. So so we need to move to a payment system that actually helps um, reward us to keep uh people healthy and to have better health outcomes. And what that means is we need to move to a uh um, more of a global payment system or comprehensive payment system where we actually get prepaid to take care of people in a way that uh maximizes their health rather than waits for them to get sick uh and then and then we get paid. Now in the new book I actually give a very specific example of a diabetic patient who um, you know from a hospital perspective we get paid a lot more money to actually do an amputation on that diabetic patient than we do to to keep the diabetic patient healthy and at home and, uh, you know, for a year's worth of, 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 of uh, preventative care, we get paid about $2,500. But if we actually, if the patient, you know, was not well taken care of, did not have preventative care and needed an amputation of a toe or a, you know, part of the foot, we get paid $33,000 for that. So the question is, shouldn't we get paid to actually keep the diabetic patient as healthy as possible, not do those amputations, not have those complications? Well, of course, the, the obvious answer is yes, but yet the reward system today is not set up to, uh, to, to reward us for doing that.
0: Yeah, and I, I recently talked with, um, with Dean Gruner about um, ACOs or accountable care organizations. Is that one of the primary ways that you think Um, this comprehensive payment model is going to be implemented, or or are there alternatives? What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, ACO is one experiment that will be tried. Uh, We we don't know exactly what's going to work. So, you know, Thetacare is participating in the Pioneer ACO program. There are 32 organizations in the country that have agreed to do this. This is a big experiment from uh, Medicare, and the payment system is based on year-over-year uh, year, uh, improvement in total cost of care and quality of care, and then when you do reduce the cost, you get a piece of the savings. Um, but it is, a, it is an experiment in which uh, the basic concept is, can we look at the payment system from a global perspective, so you take a A large number of patients, in this case it's about 24,000 patients, and can you actually deliver more cost-effective care year over year? And I think organizations that are using lean to take waste out of the system should be able to do that. So this payment mechanism may actually reward Delivering better value, but obviously we have to study it. We have to try it. I'm, 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 I'm very glad that ThetaCare's, you know, agreed to be part of the solution rather than the problem. So they're actually going to be one of the experimenters. It's, it's scary to, uh, you know, take 24,000 of your patients and, and, and all of a sudden get paid completely differently when you really don't know what to expect. But, but these are the sorts of, this is the sorts of courageous behavior that's going to be required in our industry.
0: And, and as Dean explained it, he said, "Yeah, it, it was an experimental step of um, taking a subset of ThetaCare's patients, rather than you know um, betting everything on you know a, a big change all at once." So that seems to fit with whether you call it the the scientific method or, or the PDSA cycle that that people working with Lean are so familiar with, that they're they're taking steps and as you said, let's let's work and see what's effective in, or not.
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, in the book, I don't, I don't make any bones about the fact that we don't know the answers yet. But, but what I do do is say we need to run the experiments, and I give some examples of what experiments should be run and, and are being run. And then our commitment to the industry is that on our website at, uh, createhealthcarevalue.org, uh, um that we will publish the work that's going on in these experiments in, in payment redesign so that we can all learn from them as quickly as those learnings are being accumulated.
0: Sure, and and the cover of the book is reminiscent. I mean the, the cover image of, if people go and look at the book even while they're listening to the podcast here, the the the, the dropper in the test tube, that's meant to invoke this experimental mindset, right?
1: Correct, As we have a lot of work to do here. This work is not done in any way, shape, or form. We have to connect the payment system to the delivery redesign using Lean, and then we have to make sure that our customers, our patients, know what the results are. And Those are all quite experimental concepts, especially tying them all together uh, into one-piece flow, which is really what we've tried to do with the thinking in this book, And the thinking in some of the experiments that we're running in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm.
0: So, as kind of wrap things up a little bit, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on two aspects of the broader healthcare reform discussion. You know, first off, yeah, what what sort of alignment is there, if any, uh, of of these. Three ideas of transparency, comprehensive payments, um, the patient-focused care redesign. Those three elements with what had been passed in the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. And then second part of that, what can listeners do? Um, should they be trying to contact uh, congressional leaders um, at, at, at the federal level, with, with state leaders, or both? Um, what, what are your thoughts about how this fits in there?
1: Well, the the first question is um, uh, certainly in the Affordable Care Act, there are parts of the Affordable Care Act that start to address some of these problems. So for example, the Medicare data, which we very much need in uh, our data sets here in Wisconsin, the legislation does allow the release of Medicare data to organizations like the Wisconsin Health Information Organization. But the problem is that the um, requirements for that release make it almost impossible for the Wisconsin Health Information Organization to use the data in a way to to give reports to 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 physicians uh, to allow them to improve. So that particular component of the Affordable Care Act needs significant improvement if it's going to be practically implemented other parts of the affordable care act such as the um, medicare innovation center the experiments that they're running with payment reform i think are are right on so the pioneer aco program is one of those experiments there's another experiments experiment with comprehensive primary care payment uh so these are good things these are good experiments that the federal government and uh, medicare should run and so so there are some things right that are that are uh actually make sense uh in the affordable care act that ha- that can help us with these but but the reality is that that the federal government needs organi- you know needs us locally in, in states to to actually do some of this work and and to to experiment with it so so again, the idea here is this is a collaboration. We have to collaborate with the government and the private sector. We have to collaborate with the employers, the insurance companies, the provider systems, the state governments, and the federal government to actually you know, work on these experiments to see what works and then to move to policy that supports that. And uh, and all of that is you know somewhat beyond what the Affordable Care Act is is describing. So we've got a lot of work to do yet, from a governmental perspective, in my opinion. And I'll be spending significant time with, and have been with government officials to try to explain these things. As far as you know, what can you do next Tuesday? Um, I guess I'd look at it uh, from your audience's perspective first of all. If you're an employer. Uh, or you work for an employer. I think that that there's some things that we need to stop doing uh, on 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 Monday, which is we need to stop buying on discounts. So right now, most um, uh, employers buy their insurance products, and the insurance company comes to them and says, "Well, I got a bigger discount uh, with ThetaCare than you know my competitor, so you should you know buy your insurance from me." The reality is that type of an insurance process is what's gotten us into this disaster that we're in from a cost-out-of-control perspective. So employers need to stop buying on discounts. If they're self-funded, they need to release their data to organizations like the Wisconsin Health Uh Information organization. They also need to get focused on their employee, their own employee health uh, performance. Do health risk assessments. Consider getting uh, on-site clinics uh, going in their in in their um, in their companies, and then design benefit plans that actually get the patients involved in trying to help figure out where the best value is in healthcare. So there are quality and cost websites now that patients need to be going to. If you're, you know, if you're a patient, I think there's some and we're all patients. So what what do we need to do as patients? We need to ask our doctor, why should I have this test? Based on what evidence? Why should I have this treatment? You know, you're going to prescribe antibiotics to me. Well, why when 98% of the time antibiotics are completely ineffective for this problem? Well, guess what? We need to educate ourselves, right? We need to ask doctors, if, if you're going to have surgery, how many surgeries did you do last year? And what was your infection rate? What are your outcomes? Doctors ought to be able to tell us that as patients. And uh, the same questions for the hospitals. You know, what's your infection rate? What's your mortality rate for heart surgery? Um, these are all things that that, you know, we just sort of take for granted that the doctor is is in charge and is going to do all the right things. Well, the reality is that we have to become informed consumers as patients, and we're not today.
0: Well, so there, it sounds like there are a lot of you know very practical actions we can take, both locally you know, in the exam room or um, trying to research care that we need or, or trying to help communicate with, um, with our political governmental leaders. So, um, John, I want to thank you for um, sharing that great overview of the new book, Potent Medicine. Uh, The subtitle is uh, The Collaborative Cure for Healthcare. So I certainly want to wish you luck with uh, the book. And you're going to be, one other thing maybe if you mention real quick, you're going to be keynoting and and talking about the ideas here at the upcoming Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, if you can uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about that great event.
1: Yes, we're uh, in Minneapolis, uh, June 6th and 7th. We will be um, uh, bringing together the best lean uh, healthcare uh, organizations around uh, North America—they will be doing lots of presentations. Uh, Mark, you're going to be uh, part of that uh, presentation uh, group as well, and uh, we're going to actually delve more deeply into some of these issues of how do we pay for value that's being created uh, in lean organizations, and how do we make that more transparent, both you know from from a national perspective and and make it personal. So we're going to have a lot of interesting arguments and conversations and dialogue uh, about what really needs to happen in health reform on June 6th and 7th in Minneapolis. So I invite you all to be there and, um, and meet us and talk with us about it more.
0: And, and people can find more uh, at createvalue.org. Um, can they, they can also find information at uh, the LEI website, lean.org.
1: Is that right? Correct. So we do this conference in partnership with LEI. Uh, which we do many things with in partnership with uh, Lean Enterprise Institute. And John Shook will be one of our keynote speakers at this year's conference, who is the CEO of the Lean Enterprise Institute.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it, and um, there's going to be a lot of great networking and and discussion with um, the attendees. It's it's always a great crowd that that, that comes and attends. So, John, thanks so much for um, talking about the new book, and and good luck. and, And I hope it gets into a lot of readers' hands real soon.